Okay, I've never spoken in one of these before, so how's it coming? Is that all right? Okay, he said it might be kind of weird for a moment, so I'm just getting used to the weirdness, but I think it's okay. I don't think it's too weird. Okay, we're good. All right, I have to find my little things here. It's my little desk thing. I am so happy to be here. One of the greatest blessings in my life, um, about three and a half years ago maybe, something like that, was my son married this really sweet, precious Christian woman named Sarah. And so she's here tonight. And when I asked her would she sing for us at the end, she said she would. So blessing of my life, she's going to do that. So just raise your hand, Sarah. She's right over here. So love that she's here. Thank you for coming. I love Christmas time. It's just a, a really great, great time for me. I have great memories. My mom actually was um, very crafty, and she sewed a lot. And she made little dresses for us at Easter, all three. I think one time she made the same dress, so all of us had the same little Easter dresses. But at Christmas time one year, she uh, dressed us up like little angels to, uh, for a Christmas card she's going to make. So I want to make sure I got it. OK, here we are. Oh, wait. No, there's we're not. There. Do you see it? <laughs> So there we are. Heidi is on the left there, my little sister. And I was called Betsy and Nancy on the right. And so we were, uh, we were just little angels. We lived in Southern California and celebrated Christmas with music and baking and family get-togethers. We always sang around the piano together, harmonies, actually. My dad played the piano amazingly. Um, and we left cookies for Santa and um, hay for the reindeer also. But my parents told me that Christmas was really about Jesus. And so here is the life-size manger scene my mom made, crafty woman that she is. Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus were on the roof of our house. <laughs> Didn't last in the Santa Ana winds one year, so just <laughs> let me say that. <laughs> one year we sat up there with our snow hats and our, and our scarves and our warm clothes to sing Christmas carols to people who drove by. And I remember other houses in our neighborhood with Santas and reindeer and uh, snowmen, but I loved ours the best. Luke 2 says, There were in the same country shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I give you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds were filled with joy that night to have heard from an angel and then a multitude of heavenly angels and then they actually saw the Christ child. They praised God for the wonderful thing that had happened. A savior had been born to them by the name of Jesus who would save the people from their sins. Good tidings of great joy, we have a savior. In Isaiah 9, his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Tonight, I want to share with you about being filled to the rim, as Weibo was talking about. Uh, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that, I, that you might have life and have it to the full. 
this may, um, I believe God desires our lives to be filled to the rim with the joy of Jesus. But this may be very hard for you to even fathom at this time in your life for some reason. Is your cup broken or empty? I can so relate to this feeling. But praise God for the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Psalm 147 says, The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In Isaiah 61, the prophet said Jesus would bring good tidings to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty for captives and freedom for prisoners, bringing salvation, bringing comfort to all who mourn, giving them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He really does all these things. Let me share with you a little bit about my background so you know where I'm coming from. Here is a picture of my whole family, well, most of them. <laughs> uh, my dad and my mom, Nancy and me. Heidi was not born yet. And um, I believe this is about 1959. And this is another one of my, just my dad and me. My dad, though, he was an amazing musician, had a very t difficult time holding down jobs, and showed some very strange behavior in the years to come. My mom got very concerned about him, and she definitely had to look after her little girl's safety, and, um, as well as herself. So she appeared before a judge about these incidents in court, and he was placed in a mental hospital in Norwalk, and it was very hard for, him to go, for her to go through this, for him, I'm sure, too. Uh, but also hard for me to process as a seven-year-old. Uh, she divorced him sometime after that. And um, so Daddy was given heavy medication and shock treatments, as doctors thought was appropriate then. And he never was the same like I remembered him as a young girl. He was in and out of mental institutions for most of his life, and I believe many of my emotions got stuffed way down, anger and sadness mostly, and I saw him only when we visited him in these places with my grandparents. So time moved on, and my mom remarried, and we went to church on Sundays every, every week, and I heard about Jesus. I heard, uh, sat through services where I learned many hymns. Great is thy faithfulness. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amazing grace, and uh, many more. But in my college years, though I'd been raised in church, I really had no desire to live for God. I had more important things tugging at my heart. The desire for fame and fortune won out when I was asked to join a band for, with, with a, a couple of friends of mine. So I left Southern California with my friend Karen in her Volkswagen with all of our stuff. <laughs> we didn't have much stuff, I guess, but... We headed to Fresno for the big dream. Sorry, you from Fresno, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a big dream for me. It was exciting. It was actually the Breakers restaurant was where we were. So we were now the backup singers for a band called Small Fortune. So here we are. I'm on the left with the jumpsuit and the tall platform shoes. <laughs> and on the right is Sal, the leader of the group, who's a little person, only three and a half feet tall. So you can see why we named the band Small Fortune. I actually thought of that name myself. I thought it was really a cool name. So singing in the band was very exciting to me. The fancy clothes and the music and the prestige. And uh, I someday thought we were going to make it big. 
uh, but these were, um, there were downsides to the whole dream. Uh, I had led, led a very sheltered life, but now I found myself around da dangerous people in bars who pulled out guns unexpectedly. Um, then I had to deal with money problems. We were not exactly making a small fortune by any means. <laughs> uh, so I had to work another job as a secretary. No good at that. Um, then my personal problems began to show up. My anger started to get the best of me. When we played the same old songs every night instead of learning some new music, which I would have loved. Um, then I started to get nervous when I sang solos, which I'd previously done well. And I spiraled down and I went to the bottom. And it turned out I had, ne had not been able to run away from my problems and brokenness. But as the song says, God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. God met me right there at the bottom in my brokenness, even though I had rejected him. It happened one Sunday morning in my apartment watching a church TV broadcast. I heard a pastor talking about Jesus and how God demonstrated his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you know, somehow during that broadcast, I knew everything he said was absolutely true. That it was like light shining in my darkness, and I realized that Jesus was the way and the truth and the life. So there alone in my bedroom, I, Jesus stood at the door and knocked, and I opened the door, and he came into my heart and my life that day. And I didn't realize at the time, but then, but then I finally had a father like I never had known before who would never leave or forsake me. When, uh, actually, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. I felt now that I would be going in another direction. I remember walking into the parking lot and just having my mind just starting to think, I think this is not going to stay the same. But um, anyway, in the following year, I married a sweet Christian man, and uh, he encouraged me in my faith, named Dave. He actually set up all these tables and chairs for us. And I had two boys and a beautiful home. So my heart had changed, and I truly had the American dream. So why did I still have anger and anxiety around people and depression? It's, they would each creep up on me at unexpected times in my life. It's because I still have old, unhealthy thought patterns and habits that need Jesus' cleansing every day and his restoration, actually. When I received Christ, he placed his spirit into my empty cup. He now lives inside of me. I can agree and submit to his amazing repair work, uh, resulting in the abundant life he intended, or stay in this broken place. If I allow him to work, I will become more like him until I see him face to face one day in heaven, and I will receive a new body, a new cup, which is awesome. 2 Corinthians 3 says, All of us who had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord makes us more and more like him and as we are changed into his glorious image. That's so encouraging to me. Tonight, I have great hope to share with you, broken sisters. Jesus did not stay in the grave. We have a risen Savior whose same power is available to us 
who desperately need restoration. And he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. So, how is it we have this abundant, filled to the rim kind of life? I have learned that I've absolutely got to have my mind in the Word of God every day, to fill it every day. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Maybe that's my phone. <laughs> it sounds like my mom. <laughs> that's her ring. Hi, Mom. Amy Carmichael said, A cup filled to the brim with sweet water cannot spill even one drop of bitter water, however suddenly jolted. And you know, boy, can my cup get jolted. Uh, the Bible is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's full of truth that helps me walk in a straight path, and it restores my soul. It actually revives this broken cup. It's amazing how the Bible divides truth from error. It's, this is huge in my life. When I was having stomach problems uh, many years ago, I went to a doctor who prescribed a series of tests, and he couldn't find anything physically wrong, so he determined my problem was emotional and that I should take a 500-question personality test, which then labeled me anxious with underlying depression. So medication was prescribed, and I took drugs to mask the real inner problems for over 10 years never fully dealing with the root cause. Thankfully, a precious biblical counselor came into my life, not at all like an ungodly counselor that I'd had before. But God used her in the healing process for my broken cup, and I am very thankful for that. You know, after a while, I learned, to, as Beth Moore says, to bring my heart and mind and soul and needs to the great soulologist and offer my empty cup and have him fill it with himself. I learned about filling my mind with the Word of God, about replacing old incorrect thoughts that I had about myself with truth from the Bible. And I learned that I should no longer live by my feelings, but by the Word of God. I got actually serious about embedding these truths in my mind, which led to writing many scriptures down on three-by-five cards and categorizing them in different, different areas. I have encouragement and peace and love and God's love, who I am in Christ. Anyway, here is one. I'm going to dump this down here. I don't need that. Um, Many times I take a pack of these scriptures. Oh, I was going to show you the little box. My mother-in-law made this little box for me. It's beautiful. And um, many times I take a pack of these scriptures out with me when I run out in the morning, when I go to my, uh, my little spot out by the river through the oak trees. And something usually jumps off one of these cards and into my mind, which I know is straight from the Lord. Here's a pack I chose one morning called Denial. Ephesians 4.22, in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Put off the old and put on the new. God revealed to me in that moment the unkind words I had said to my husband the night before. 
I needed to put off my anger and choose to put on love and forgiveness. It's been something I'm learning to do in many areas of my life, still, still learning, to empty my cup of old thought patterns and behavior and choose to fill my cup afresh with God's way, the way of love and forgiveness. Here's another card from that same pack. Denial. Mark 11 in the Amplified. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it, let it go, in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your, short, your failures and your shortcomings. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failures and shortcomings. I'm not saying that these are easy to live out, but praise God, the Lord is with me to help them through, through his, the power of his spirit, he helps me. And then he shows me my failures and my shortcomings. And crack by crack, piece by piece, he's mending this broken cup. Here's a pack of verses that I have in here called God's Love. And oh, how I need to read these scriptures many times, many times, to uh, replace the old thought patterns of worthlessness and, and insecurity in my life. Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And when I'm fearful, like when I might be getting ready to go to something like this with lots of people around, a, with table of people I don't know, then I'm going to pull out one of these. And it says, Romans 8, 15, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And oh, there it is right where I need it. I do have a loving Father, and he's compassionate, who lets me climb up into his lap and find comfort and peace. Many times I sing, say these things back to him as I'm out in the in the woods, in the oak trees. And many times I cry these things back to him. And he hears my feeble cry, and I know in the depths of my heart that he is my father. And that the verse also reminds me, I do not have to continue to live in bondage to fear. I've decided I'm no longer going to go with labels that I've been given or believed about myself. I choose to now believe the labels God has put on me. I'm chosen by God. I choose now. I'm chosen by God, holy and dearly loved. I am a child of light and not of darkness. I am God's handiwork, created in Christ to do his work, and a child of God with a promised inheritance in heaven. You know what I learned after seriously getting into the word, after starting to actually deal with my problems in in my life and in my marriage that were largely caused by me, is that my medication did not help me address my own sin and work through these problems. I needed to examine my strong anger in the light of God's word to talk, about some, talk with someone who could help me with my insecurities and show me what God says about me. I'm no longer going to believe lies about myself and just because my biological father had struggles, I will not accept that I will be like him. There are many things I will never understand about what happened to him, 
But this I know and I'm convinced and sure of, that he who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. As a side note, about a year ago, I read books from a reliable doctor about psychiatric medication and its harmful side effects, which inspired me to wean off my medicine. I was having dullness of mind and hyperactivity and really emotionally flat. I couldn't even cry. And now that's way different, but... <laughs> um, I read in this book that it would be dangerous to suddenly stop taking this. And so it took me about three months to wean off what I was on. Um, I, I did take a couple of different ones. But anyway, it took me about three months to wean off this last one. But if I'd taken a larger dose or multiple medications, it would have taken me a lot longer. But dear sisters, I want you to know that I'm not condemning any of you on how you're handling your life and your situation. I have been in your shoes. The issue is very serious and it requires prayer. And if anyone wants to discuss this later, I'd be glad to and share the books that, I, that have been helpful to me. But you know, as we examine ourselves in the light of God's word and go his way, God blesses us. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro all the whole earth to show strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Wow. Don't you want that kind of support? Thinking practically now, are you neglecting any of your responsibilities at home or at work perhaps? I, like I do, actually, it has led me into some dark depression by doing that. Are you neglecting your husband, like I have? Are you overindulging in alcohol? The Bible says, be, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And are you watching junk on TV or the movies? This is kind of interesting because years ago, I watched a, a really gross science fiction movie, and I came the next day to talk to your friend and I told her my stomach is in knots and I can't it is horrible this morning and she said well junk in junk out and that's all it's all it took I realized I can't watch this stuff anymore Hebrews 12 1 says since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything it hinders and the sins that so easily entangle us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus. And another thing, is there perhaps someone that you need to forgive in your life? I was watching a couple of two-year-olds a few weeks ago over here in the nursery, and I noticed most of them are amazingly quick to forgive. The, uh, I didn't realize this about two-year-olds. Fascinating. But uh, this little girl threw this block and it hit the little boy and he cried and so I, I grabbed her and said, let's go apologize and give him a hug. And so she hugged him. He immediately hugged her back. It's just like, wow, the lesson is so obvious. We need to stop holding grudges against people and forgive. And Jesus said, forgive 70 times 7. Tonight I know I'm discussing some really heavy stuff, but... Here's a very practical question. Are you taking good care of yourself? Eating right, seeing your doctor, exercising? My cup can empty out pretty quick when something's wrong like this, when I'm not caring for my body. A nutritionist, a nutritionalist helped me to realize this, and so I'm big into vitamins and eating better than I used to. And then I found out last summer 
that my estrogen was low that brought me into depression. So anyway, I'm just realizing you might ask the Lord to reveal to you anything that might be causing you problems. He can show you, and, and he wants to fill you back up again. I'm going to need some water here. Take a little. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Whoops. Shakiness and water doesn't go with it. Anyway. So anyway, I do want to encourage you regularly to fill up with the Word of God. Attend a Bible-centered church like this one and get, get to a Bible study, a women's Bible study, either Thursday morning we have one, Thursday evening, um, Saturday there's one, or you can even study on your own, on your own at home. Uh, as a young mother, I was really, really thankful that the Lord brought the Word to me through radio. Just many times I had some great opportunities there. One of my favorites was Elizabeth Elliot, who just died only six months ago, if you didn't know that, uh, near my birthday. She was a Christian missionary who ministered with her husband to the Indians in Ecuador. In 1956, Jim was speared to death by these very people. And afterward, Elizabeth stayed for two years with her little girl to continue this work, sharing God's love with those people who had killed her husband. Anyway, the truth she shared on the radio really, really touched my heart. God used her to give me hope and help me persevere in what God wanted me to do, which was love the Lord, love others, and love my husband and my children, which was a challenge for me to do, but I'm so blessed now. They're grown up, and for Sarah, big challenge. But anyway, several years ago, Elizabeth was scheduled to speak in Visalia. I'm sorry you missed her if you weren't able to come. After her first session on servanthood, I was definitely, I realized I had to meet this amazing woman in, in person. So I went to get a cup of coffee to drink and stand in line with all the other ladies, and then I don't know what I had, the coffee in my hand because I don't drink coffee. So there I was. Anyway, I was at the front of the line, and I was overwhelmed at meeting this amazing woman who had uh, done, changed my life dramatically, actually, through God's Word. She was wearing a beautiful velvet blue skirt and a feminine white dress, or no, feminine white blouse, and her hair was pulled back neatly, and she was sitting gracefully in a chair. You can just see her, can't you? And so I introduced myself when I got to the front, and I told her that I believed she had saved my marriage through the radio. She responded, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I bent over to hug her, and then I spilled my cup of coffee <laughs> on Elizabeth Elliot. Really, on her velvet blue skirt. Yeah. So, of course, she was very gracious about the whole thing. Of course. And, but it took me a long time to even tell anyone. I mean, sure, there were people saw this, but I could not talk about it other than my husband. So a long time went by. I don't know, maybe a year or two. Um, but ridiculous. Maybe, maybe, that's a lesson. We need to have a night out as girls and just get together and tell our most embarrassing moments. Would that be hysterical? I just think it would be really funny. I don't know. Just a quirky idea, but you could come over to my house and we'll do it. I already told you mine. Anyway, uh, don't we just, I feel like we really, let's start being honest with one another and share the real stuff of our lives. 
We need each other, and we're all going through something. God uses our relationships to heal and mend our broken places, doesn't he? And don't you just need a friend to listen or pray with you or cry with you sometimes? I have some women here who've done that for me. How wonderful we can come to God through Jesus who hears our prayers. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Keep filling your cups with prayers, sisters. God has answered so many prayers in my lifetime. From my friend whose son was born with a hole in his heart that God miraculously closed up, to uh, the keys that we found at the beach that God helped us find in the sand after we left the beach and went to the parking lot and came back. And then during our serious car accident in New Mexico when the Lord sent people to lift our trailer off the side and get us to safety. Scary time, really. It was very scary. But for the endless prayers he heard from my children who easily may have fallen prey to the enemy during their school years in that punk scene. Thank you, Lord. Hopefully, like me, you've had many answers to prayer. And when you're in church, you sing praises to the Lord and you thank him. But have you ever worshipped the Lord on your own in your backyard or, or uh, maybe just by, this, by yourself in your home? I read a great book about this called Satisfy My Thirsty Soul by Linda Dillow. And uh, she takes a look at David, a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 61, David says, O God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And author Sam Storms writes, David desired to dwell in the presence of God, to behold God, to meditate upon the beauty and splendor of God, to bask in the invigorating light and glory of everything that makes God an object of our affection and delight in adoration. The results of this passionate pursuit of God are staggering. Not only is beholding the beauty of the Lord indescribably enjoyable, it is profoundly transforming. So true. Talk about filling my cup in the morning or whenever. You know, we can do this in a variety of ways. I like to go out by the river, which is dry, but I like to go out there most every day since it's close to my house. And here I am in the path in the morning. Habakkuk 3 says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go in the heights. Psalm 92, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Psalm 1, I will delight in the law of the Lord and be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. As I go out in the morning, sometimes I read a psalm, and uh, sometimes I sing it when I know the tune. I have friends who do that too. It's so great when you can read that and say, wow, and then just sing it. Psalm 22.3 says, You are holy who inhabits the praises of Israel. 
I love that God inhabits our praises. He actually lives in the praises of his people. You know, we can run through the oak trees or walk through the neighborhood or sit on the couch quietly or bow down on our knees or our faces, but the, it's the attitude of our hearts that's important. Spending time adoring our creator God who loves us more than we can fathom and our thirsty souls are quenched. Our cups are filled. Many times during worship, he settles me, he quiets me, and he strengthens me. He even speaks to me. But all of life is an opportunity to bow before our king in worship. As we garden or clean the house or take care of children, go to the office, have a neighbor over, even as we lie in on the couch in terrible pain, perhaps. It's an opportunity to learn to bow before him, bowing our attitudes, our work, our times of waiting, even our will, and even bowing our pain. And sometimes that pain can be emotional, too. I'm trying to learn this new attitude of worship in whatever comes my way. I know I have a friend, a couple of friends are doing that, choosing, it's a sacrifice of praise, but they're choosing to be thankful and, um, and just love the Lord. It's acknowledging our sovereign God who is worthy of our praise each and every day. Over the summer, I read another book called Choose Joy, which is by Kay Warren. I want to encourage you girls to practice thankfulness and joy every day. In this very season you're in, maybe you, are, you have young children, or you're a caregiver, or you're a busy grandma, praise the Lord for the one who helped raise me. Or maybe you're a single woman, divorced. Maybe you are in sickness and pain, or an empty nester, working outside the home, between jobs, whatever. Kay Warren says, this is her definition of joy, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Paul writes in prison, Philippians 4.11, that he had learned to be content. Even in afflictions, he says, in all things we commend ourselves as servants of God, joyfully serving him. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, I think this is my life verse. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Corey Tinboom is an inspiration to me of someone who chose thankfulness in horrible circumstances. For a while, she lived in a Nazi concentration camp where they were killing the Jews. There were lice in their filthy blankets, and her sister Betsy told Corey they must thank God for the lice. Later, they found out that the prison guards kept their distance because they were, they were, and they were able to hold their Bible studies without fear because of those lies. So what would happen in our lives if we began to thank God like that? Can you think of people around you who inspire thankfulness and joy? My mom does that. Isn't she the greatest? So neat. She recently lost her second husband, Hal, who was bedridden for two years, and then she chose to care for him at home. She did all she could to make him comfortable, positioning his bed so he could see his garden, 
changing the TV to his favorite TV shows and made his favorite foods. And then she also always dressed beautifully for him, even in jeans, just every day. Before breakfast, she had her makeup and her hair done. My mom um, had hospice helping for quite a while at the end, but I saw that she purposely chose joy during that difficult time. Just love her. And then there's my friend Jennifer, who many years ago lost her mother to cancer, and she's now caring for her dad, who's battling cancer, as well as her, um, her sister, who has special needs, too. And she's taking every opportunity to make joyful uh, decisions. They, they've gone to the zoo and Disneyland and, and the beach, and it's just very special. And what about our own Margie Allen, who chose joy all throughout her life until the very end? And I know her daughters are here tonight. Thank you for sharing her with us. Don't you just want to be like that? As Kay Warren said, Many of us need permission to recognize sorrow, but go beyond it and still choose a life of joy. Jesus suffered, but we can't stop there. We can't let the truth dominate how we act and how we speak about him. There was a reason by that Jesus, let me start over. There was a reason why Jesus chose to endure all that he did. He, there was a reason why he was allowed himself to be bloodied and beaten and tortured. Hebrews 12, 2 gives us an insider behind-the-scenes look at why Jesus allowed all of that to happen. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? What joy was so rich and satisfying and deep that he was willing to suffer such terrible abuse? You were the joy set before him. I was the joy set before him. He suffered so he could be reconciled with you and with me. When he was flogged, when that cruel crown of thorns was jammed on his head, and when he hung on the cross, he got through it because he was holding on the joy of presenting us to God. Here she is, Father. I've brought her back to you. The joy of restoring the broken relationship and of living with me and you forever. That was the joy set before him. That was the joy that kept him nailed to the cross. Today you might be in that place that I was 38 years ago in my apartment. You might finally understand that you're a broken sinner in need of a Savior. And a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given by men to which we must be saved. God is offering his free gift of salvation right now to you. You can't do anything to earn it. You just receive it by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace we are saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you want to receive this amazing gift, you can do that with me right now as I say this prayer and as Sarah comes up to sing. Dear God, I understand that I'm a sinner and that in love you sent your son Jesus to earth and that he would be crucified, taking all my sins upon himself. Please forgive me for rejecting you, Lord. I receive you now into my life as my Lord. 
I want to live a new life from this time forward, surrendered to you. Take my broken cup and make me a new creation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Broken and scattered In mercy gathered Mended and whole Empty-handed But not forsaken I've been set free I've been set free Raising up the broad 